1: Hello and welcome to Smart Money Simplified with Brent Mikosh. Brent, what's going on? Here's what's going on. I'm getting questions
2: lately about what is happening in commercial real estate, particularly around office. Hmm. And my answer is I honestly don't know, man. <laughs> and it's it's for me it's been a confusing topic because you hear these some of these apocalyptic stories about $300 million buildings in San Francisco and now being on the market for 40 million. But then also in my current building where those of us are in the Phoenix area, it's, it's a great building, we're very happy here. But I'm hearing now they're actually renting out for significantly more than what we what we signed on back in 2020. Mm. And so it seems like there's a lot of currents and cross currents happening in that space. And so I'm bringing on today Andrew Cheney, and he is a partner in the Coppola group, the Coppola Cheney group, rather, with Lean Associates. If you're here in the Phoenix Valley, you probably have seen some of his signs around. You probably know who he is because he's definitely viewed as a. as, as, as a heck of a resource and a a heck of a knowledge leader in this space. So, you know, we're going to talk commercial real estate here, particularly around office, because honestly, Andrew, I don't know what's going on, man. So I'm hoping that you're going to shed some light on what this, what's happening in this market and what the, what the landscape looks like right now. So that, thank you for joining me. And if you want to give a little intro or a little uh, story about yourself and how you got into commercial real estate.
3: Sure. You're welcome, Brent, and happy to be here. And hopefully, (laughs) I shed more light than than confusion on on your on the office world, but it is I, I think it's fun and it's, it's exciting, it's interesting. I I love it every day. I've been working across the street, uh, Caddy corner from your building for the last 20 years. some with the Coppola Cheney Group, we have a, a team of about 10, and we help landlords here in Phoenix lease up their buildings. We also help tenants in Phoenix. Uh, make sure that they get, deals. they get good deals from nice landlords in Phoenix. And then we also ha- we do national tenant rep work. So I'm doing work all across the country right now for some clients that are based here and on the West, on the West Coast. And I focus more on the, on the leasing than I do the sales. I, I do some sales, but I stress out every day on, on leases. And we do about 150 of those per year. So in, in the market, and let's just talk about what is going on in, in your building and I'm first gonna put it back on you. So you just went to Tokyo recently, right?
2: I did, yeah, I
3: was okay. there in, uh,
2: about two months ago.
3: Okay, great, so Tokyo along with say Chicago and, and London and, and San Francisco is in all the headlines, it's on the, the first you know, page or two of the Wall Street Journal and how it's apocalyptic there and buildings are going back to the banks and the office is never coming back, it's, it's terrible. And then if you swipe just two or three pages to the right, depending on the size of your uh, your iPad, then you see Phoenix is actually the fastest growing county. Or Maricopa County within Phoenix is the fastest growing spot in all the U.S. And people are actually going back to the office and they like being in, in the office. And so that's that's one of the phenomenons going on. The other is is construction pricing and. Um, the exorbitant cost there, thats that's been driving uh, lease rates up and th- the value of your your building, frankly, and, and my building and what landlords are having to do now. So that is the one thing that I, I know is interest rates are super stressful for, for owners and, and everything right now. But the biggest bane of everyone's existence right now is construction pricing. And so what happened is you had very, very smart people, 10 times smarter than, than you or I. Five six years ago, they they underwrite a building, and you have improvement costs that go along with a with a lease, and and how what it's going to cost to build out a space. And five years ago, if you had a say a warm shell, you could build out a, a space for fifty dollars per square foot. And that same cost today is around one hundred and ten to one hundred and twenty dollars per square foot.
2: What is driving that? Is this a, is this a labor force problem, or is this just a raw materials, drywall, and you know? It's and- more.
3: It's a good good question. It's it's everything. It's it's inflation of, of materials. It is labor here in Phoenix. The uh, building TSMC campus right now isn't super super helpful. And and I was talking to a contractor. He had an inter- interesting concept because we we talked about Phoenix growing so fast. Phoenix has outgrown it's trades. And so it's grown faster than the trade base here. And then you've also got the gig economy and, and some people would rather be YouTube stars than, than maybe learn how to weld or, or learn how to, to swing a hammer. And you've got a severe labor shortage and it's just been no fun for, for anyone, frankly, because landlords, you've got responsible, very professional, great people that you've done deals with for 20 years and say, well, you know, I got five bids and they're all coming in at this price. And then, so you've got to go. You've got to figure out. Well, do I need that size? Do I want that that building? That term? Am I going to stay here? Are you going to stay in the Camelback Road corridor where your rent is going to go up, and landlords will pay for your building because it's well located, or are you going to you know go elsewhere, which is you know maybe not right in the prime financial district? So it's it's caused a real wrench.
2: Well, and... Let's kind of dive in on that a little bit. Now I'll give you a little bit of our personal story here because I think it would apply to what other people might be dealing with. So sure. obviously, COVID hits. We don't need to to beat that thing again because we all know what happens. Um, my myself and my team, we never stopped coming to the office. Uh, but I do remember during that period of time, you know, we were walking outside out to my parking garage, which used to be full, and some days my own, my car was the only car there. You know, and and also right. and Kayla, and, and and our team members here. But you've seen in my building, there are still very large tenants that have not returned, and so I'm I'm guessing that they're just seeing out to the end of their lease, but we're not really getting new people that are coming in. we got a lot. We still, you know, three years later, we still have a lot of empty, pretty large spaces here. How, from a pricing perspective, how is this class A or your, your you know, Countback Corridor here, for those of us that aren't in the Valley, it's kind of where you want to be. If you're going to be in Phoenix, right. this is where you want to be. Where's that pricing power coming from? I get it with the TIs. I know that the improvements are going to cost more if you're re-upping your lease, but if the demand isn't there, why why are we looking at prices increasing?
3: Sure. Good question. And again, yeah, real estate is is local. It's a cottage industry. And the depending even what side of the intersection you're on, that can affect how much you're going to pay and, and the quality of, of the experience. But your building is actually more leased than 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 you would think. And your submarket within Greater Phoenix. Yeah. There's a hundred million square feet of office product in Phoenix. The Camelback Road corridor is around 8 million square feet and you're in one of the nicer, nicer buildings. So yes, when you're in there, and I know you're in there quite, quite a bit, but there's other, other tenants in there. Yes. They may be giving space back, but the activity is actually pretty decent in your building right now. I, I track groups that are looking along, along the corridor and on your third floor space. I know there's two or three groups competing for it right now. And what's happening is the front stage financial services fire industries finance insurance re- re- real estate folks like you and me and ones with young kids we're coming into the office and we want to be collaborating with our with our team we're we're smaller smaller firms and we're, we're in the office. So with Raymond James, maybe the, the back office portion or the, the back office portion of, say, Farmers Insurance, which their their call center's up in the Northwest Valley and they've got a 100,000-foot floor plate, that's changed for a long, long time, and those folks may not be coming back for a while. But our submarket is full of front stage, meeting in person and collaborating, value creation, uh, really high-intelligence workers coming in every day and, and collaborating. And you're in a small office, we're in a smaller office and leasing 50,000, leasing three, 5,000 square feet isn't gonna kill you know, kill the, the business or the industry. But when you've got a 100,000 foot obligation or potential obligation, you're gonna think really long and hard about that. And you're gonna see if you can get away with, with that for a while of not going to the office and maybe, hey, we can try working from home. So it is more, there is more demand in, in this area. And in also North Scottsdale, and that's where a lot of these financial services services are. We've got the lowest amount of sublease space in, in these two areas. But then if you go to Tempe, where it's super even nicer office buildings, uh, right on, temp, on on the on the Town Lake next to ASU, that's where that's been the tech heavy spot for the last cycle, and that's where you're seeing the highest concentration of sublease space and tenants not coming back in, into the office. And so it's a different story down, down there. But where you're at, there's a lot of, you know, 40s, six-year-olds, maybe more old old school, want to come into the office. And uh, coupled with the construction pricing that's and the, the high barrier to entry, it's very, very tough to build new product in, in our submarket. So all those factors, and it's just a nice building. So that's where you get the price increase.
2: So here in the Valley and in Phoenix, and I do want to talk about what you see happening nationwide, and we're very fortunate here to be in Arizona, be in Phoenix and be in this economy that we have here, but are there sectors or segments of the market that are stressed right now? And you mentioned obviously call centers and I'm guessing lower tier space where you're packing a bunch of cubicles in and people with their headsets on, on the phones. Is that where the, I guess the pain is right now in commercial real estate, at least in this Valley? Sure. So
3: the the pain, the way I think about it, the
2: pain is in older
3: buildings without walkable amenities. And so the old days of, hey, we're going to put 50,000 feet into this call center along the freeway. And maybe we have a food truck come along, you know, one or two days a a week. And there's maybe one set of bags out there. There's a volleyball court. That's that's not really that's not going to cut it anymore and and make the the juice worth a squeeze of tenants coming back to the office. So those that your highest concentration of vacancy would be in those larger, larger buildings that were really more back office service center or older class B multi-tenant buildings that just don't have a place to eat or or drink nearby. And that's why, you know, we're spoiled. We have some of the nicest restaurants in North America all nearby. We're close to the airport. So that's why the the Camelback Road corridor is, is doing fine. But it's, it's really anything on kind of the outskirts of town or potentially, we talked about Central Avenue, there's been some softening there, the high-rise buildings, COVID, there's still some stigma there. But there's also just, I yeah, maybe we don't want to go go downtown and we want to stay closer closer to home. But it's older buildings that aren't well amenitized. That's where your, your stress is. That's where if you've got a loan, you're invested in a building that's built 40 years ago, not a, a lot going on, you're wondering, well, is this going to stay in an office building or do we, you know, convert this into medical or, you know, do we try to do something else with, with it?
2: Now you mentioned TSM and, and to those outside the Valley Taiwan Semiconductor, and it's just sucking all the oxygen out of at least construction and everything else. I mean, you, you drive up North, and just construction cranes and they're building a massive, massive chip foundry up there. And I think they've already announced they're going to double it in size. Are you guys seeing, and it was kind of, em- it was an empty desert, but there wasn't a lot happening up there prior to TSM right. coming in. Are you seeing now commercial space that's commercial office space is being built up there to support what's happening with TSM in the north part of the valley, like new com- new construction?
3: Good, good question. no the 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 new construction pipeline has virtually dried up in in phoenix and so what's happening up there and a lot of other places is new tenants coming in are going to want either sublease space that's on the market still or sublease space that's turned into direct space at least right now. now it's still vacant but there's still plenty of poles particularly up there in that part of the market so a new owner you, you the you could build a, a new building up the USAA campus, but they've got some holes of their own so they, they're gonna wait for for those those buildings and their other nice Class A neighbors to fill up before they build an, anything new
2: okay so that there's there's empty not empty but there's not they're not at capacity up there in terms of utilization
3: right right so you an, an idea for for vacancy most markets across the United States, your your equilibrium vacancy, say around 12, 14%, because there's higher barriers, barriers to entry. In Phoenix, our 20-year average for, for vacancy is 18%, okay? So some people from, and that's why Phoenix gets look, look, passed over by certain investors, because they just can't handle the, the high high vacancy. I'm used to investing in Minnesota or Milwaukee and it's you know 7 percent so they just think they, they can't comprehend that. And then you throw the sublease vacancy on, on top of that so our vacancy gets closer to to 24 percent. and and so that is that's a huge so this this cycle is is different than the last one the last cycle we were after the financial uh, great Recession, there was about six million square feet that was under just had delivered and everything's falling apart. So a lot of those buildings went back to the bank. There was major stress, major, major discounts. And you know, what's happened here is people learned their lesson. They turn off the, the pipeline a lot quicker. So right now there's 500,000 square feet under construction right now. It's going to de- deliver all this year. The next year, there's nothing in the pipeline. Maybe we build something in 2025. And so what's interesting this this time is we're not so over overbuilt as we're just under demanded right now. And our our 20-year our average for new construction
2: is around 2.2 2 million square feet. Wow, that's I, I, it's amazing. I didn't realize we had nothing on deck for next year. We're, we're both happy we're in Phoenix. There's no question about it. I lived in New York City for 10 years prior to moving out to Arizona in 2007. One of the things that was amazing about living in new york is the fact that you, know, you hop on the subway you're at you're wherever your office is and there's all the every all the activities everything else that you have in the city and you're willing to pay a price from a tax standpoint because the taxes stink quite frankly from a standpoint of quality of life and you just don't have space because you have everything else happening covid and a lot of um and i would go as far as to say too, current leadership and and most recent leadership i think in new york city has sort of changed that city and not necessarily for the better. Can you speak at all to what's happening in some of those markets where you've had people migrating out of New York, like San Francisco? You talked about our vacancy rates. What's it looking like in some Chicago, obviously, for fiscal reasons, a lot of you know, companies are getting out of there as well. right? What are you seeing in terms of vacancy in these places? Sure, sure. Two,
3: there's There's two things going on. One is you've got these traditional... Gateway cities, I call them major, major markets of Boston, Chicago, San Francisco, where there's a big cluster, a big central business district, and everyone comes in from the suburbs and they go back in, and it's just a logjam either way. Phoenix is much different. We've got 10 different employment centers, and yes, we've got a downtown and central district, but we've we're spread out much, much more. And a lot of those and the, the pandemic showed us that you don't have to come into the office every day. And if I don't want to commute from Long Island or Connecticut every day, I don't, I don't have to you know grind it out on the, on the train for an hour each, each way, or from San, San Francisco and get stuck in, in golden gate, gate traffic and, you know, Seattle gets, uh, gets bogged down there too. So you've got that and not to get political, but some of the more gateway cities are are more liberal and you've, and the not as as business friendly so so those two phenomena have have driven more people to southern states to to texas and florida frankly uh and, and arizona i i don't feel like we're getting our fair share yet hopefully more more are coming but it is it is a combination of the political environment but also that big massive commute there and you know, there's there's nuances to to, to each one. I mean, I, I just did a, a deal in Chicago, and it's every industry is is affected there, and folks just don't want to don't want to go in. There's, there's you know certain safety issues, and then in Seattle, it's all tech. So when tech's booming, I mean life is life is great, but when tech's not booming, man, there is you know Seattle is on front page of 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 CoStar. Hey, this 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 market's really stopping So I'm. I'm doing a deal up there for a client and kind of excited for the rate that I'm going to be able to get them That's for great. the next 10 years.
2: You know, Chicago is kind of an interesting one. And I, I back in years and years and years ago, I lived in Chicago for about six months. I was rotated through there and amazing city. And I was in Chicago last November uh, for the first time in a while. And I, I love Chicago. It is awesome. But, you know, again, you have a situation here where, you know, you get a new mayor that just came in. People obviously were Anxious to get rid of Lightfoot. She's gone. But then you got Brandon Johnson, whose economic report I think they put out was literally called First We Get the Money was the title of it. That was basically suggesting all these brand new taxes that all these companies were going to pay in order to fund whatever initiatives he went he wanted to, to, to pay to pay for. But obviously companies aren't going to do that. And so you have in the safety issues, as you mentioned. So people fleeing those areas. What what do you see happening in a downtown core district like the, you know, the core loop in Chicago San Francisco has a similar issues what do you see happening with with these markets in the long term? I see every,
3: real estate is, is cyclical and I still think long term those cities are, are fantastic and right now yeah, it's tough in in California some of the San Francisco some of the hotels went back to the lenders some bank, some buildings more so in, in Chicago. Uh, we'll go back to lenders just because there's, you know, it's not going to improve for, for quite some time. But then people will forget what it was like to go through the pandemic. And uh, I think more people, as in, in turbulent times, people realize how much they do need to collaborate into the office. And gateway cities, much like New York, people wrote off New York, I don't know, late yeah. you know, 70s, part of the 80s. And 80s, guess yeah. what? It, it came back. And I do feel strongly that it is come back. It is going to come back. So if any of your, your listeners, your readers can get a, can invest in an office building in one of those markets for, you know, double digits per, per square foot, I'm all in. I, I put my money there. Sell, uh, buy one for near 80% top of the market, maybe not so much, but real estate is cyclical. People will come back. Those political environments will, will change. There's, there's a lot of factors that will change and, uh, it will, it will come back. I can um, ask you this, Brent, do you still use, do you do you
2: still use Tide? You mean in terms of laundry detergent? Yes. Yes, I, I do. Yes. I use, I use the Tide pods I've never done the Tide pod challenge by the way, but yes.
3: Okay, good, user. good. Yeah. But your mom probably used the Tide powder when she used yes. to wash your clothes, when you, when you started doing your clothes. Okay. So people still use Tide and they're just using a different form of it. And they're still, they're always going to, you're always going to need, you know, tied in some form or, or another, And what with office space and re- retail space for, for that matter, you're always going to need it. The form may change and the way you use it may change, but it is, it's it's always going to be there. Real estate's cyclical. So
2: uh, have hope in some of these gateway cities. And what kind of vacancy rates are you seeing now in San Francisco, Chicago, New York? In San Francisco, gosh,
3: i uh, check 10 minutes I mean, you're, you're starting to get up in, in, in Phoenix numbers and then in beyond. And so certain areas you can get up near 30, 30%. And that is, that's, that's troublesome. That's when at that, at that rate, even with construction pricing going up, you're, you're still going to have uh, price decreases in there. Uh, it's, you know, certainly not up to the 50% range and feeling like that. But uh, once you get up, above that 25% range in, in any market, there's stress on on rates.
2: So now here's, here's a question that I don't have an answer to, and, and I probably should know. But in some of these more stressed cities, what when is this debt going to have to get refinanced? Because we're, we're in a very different, because I know at least in the in a high yield world, for example, pretty much everybody refied in 2020 and 2021 that could because rates were essentially through the floor. And so when I get I get questions, you know, what, what's how you will look like? And I said, depending if rates stay here, it's probably a 2025 problem in the 2026, because most of that paper was like five years or so. Right. When when does this become a problem for some of these now more vacant buildings that need to go and refi?
3: Now, so. Uh, I, I don't know the latest 2 or $3 trillion figure of, of debt coming due in the next 36, 60 months. But the point is, a lot's coming due. It's just starting to come, come due now. So what's happening now in the office world, it's more of, hey, I've got a refi here in a year, and I'd rather not do that. So it's not going to be a fire sale, but I'm going to sell now at a notable discount and just get out of it and put my money in maybe industrial multifamily or, or something else so i'm gonna i'm gonna do that and then maybe this time next year there'll be some folks that they just they they can't or that the building is, is too high a vacancy and they're just going to have to let it go but but for now you're having some you're having very very few fire sales and then there's more of yeah don't want to go re- through refinance or even i own my building free and clear but I'm having these tenants that just went back to the these banking clients that just went back to, back home. They're, they may not be back for for a couple of years. And I frankly don't want to go through a lease up and all the the lease up costs um, with tenant improvements, downtime, um, paying huge fees to get these things uh, leased back up. So I'm just going to sell it at a, at a nice discount. So the the discounts are starting to to trickle through, but they're not really flowing through yet. But I think you are going to I don't you know Barry Sternlicht and I um, may have a difference uh, on this and he, he may think that there's it's just going to be horrific i think there's going to be a correction i don't think it's going to be as bad as the great recession because our economy is still pretty pretty strong you do have people coming back to the office we're not as over, overbuilt and you know some obsolete product will, will go away but it's i i lived through the 2008 that was that felt a lot different than it does now
2: and and how big of a market, how how much money are we talking in terms of office space that could potentially could be in trouble?
3: Oh boy. If you were to look at the Phoenix office market, a hundred million square feet, I mean, you you could say that anywhere twenty to to fifty percent could have some sort of, of stress. Okay. It's good good question. I don't, I don't have that figure off the top of my head, but knowing that, you know. There's only so many people who can buy buildings out free and clear, but you've also got lenders that aren't going to necessarily want to take buildings back. And those so they're going to do a lot more. And they're at least right now they're, they're not failing for a couple. Uh, they're not failing. And so there's going to be more workouts and, and more, okay, well you keep it. We're not going to do anything better, better with this. So there is going to be some negotiating versus just this, waterfall of, of of billings coming through, getting cleansed and then bought for pennies on the dollar.
2: Yeah. I tend, I I agree with you there in the sense that I think that also too, is not really foreclosing any mortgage is very different than foreclosing on a, on a giant commercial property. Right and there's less incentive to do that if you can find a way to to structure things and work things out. I think you, I think you'll probably see a little bit more of that. I will say I'm I'm like you in the sense where I think that the tide is shifting a little bit around commercial. I think that people are are realizing that in person, it's wonderful. We can do this virtual stuff that we're doing and I absolutely love it and adds tons of efficiency to the business, but still the ability to sit down across the table with somebody, whether it's a coworker or whether it's a client collaborate directly is, is valuable. And I, I think that there's going to be a, a desire to, to cycle back into that. So I'm overall in the longer term, I'm, I'm optimistic, but it's, I'm more concerned in terms of the financing, like what happens. Right. the Fed's been doing what the Fed's been doing for 18 months about a year and a half now it takes about a year and a half for it to hit the economy and seven eight nine percent money is really different than three four five percent money it's it's a totally different world and the math just doesn't work exactly
3: exactly it it is going to be such a sandstorm and we could literally 50 clients call up one day and they can all have different situations and you have to look at each one each one individually and also, what's interesting about the real estate market is it's so inefficient. And you know, the stock market—you sneeze, it shows up. You know, a couple hours later, and, and, and the market has priced it well. And in real estate, I'm thinking I may not need that space, or I might need more space. And I'll think about some more. And then maybe in six months, I might do that. And then in, in a year, then my space—or my six months—the my space might be ready, and I still may need to grow out after that. And so you just, the, the market, it, it's it's always lagging in commercial real estate. And so it makes it, there's, I think there's bigger opportunity there.
2: Now, now back here at the Valley, you know, I, I've got, I call kind of the, my Youngstown theory and around, around uh, real estate and not being a guy that knows real estate, but it's basically this, you know, if you look at Youngstown, Ohio, a once great American city that has fallen upon some hard times and you look at Phoenix, there's no way to give a there's no way to value youngstown versus phoenix because there's the competitive advantage of a place now like phoenix arizona or any of these really hot metropolitan areas is so much greater is it two times is it five times is it a hundred times i don't find a way to really value that i mean does that and so i think that the the areas and the and the and the locations that are going to that, that have different advantages right now if anything, they're they're going to be strengthening their positions relative to other parts of the country. I mean, is this, this move that we've seen economically for the first time now, you know, the, the South economically is producing more than the North that uh, we did, you know, flip that switch pretty recently. Right. Am I, am I on the right track with that in terms of that, that there's, just, you, are. you can't compare, you can't compare these, these cities anymore.
3: You you can't. Yeah. I mean, working up in, in, in buffalo new york and other really northern you know in cleveland yeah there's going to be some growth there but but other yeah other midwest cities it's they're going to have to be reimagined some some way there's they're never going to be the same and people they want to they don't want to be inside all day they want they want to be hanging out with their families doing you know being being outdoors uh phoenix is is a great example that state farm they they put their three major call center service centers in Phoenix, Dallas, and Atlanta. So they were having tr- a lot of trouble recruiting out in, in, uh, in Indiana. And they said, you know what, we're just going to go to where there's sun." And mm-hmm. so you're gonna, you're going to see more of that. And, you know, it, it'll be, a, again, everything is cyclical and these, some of these cities want to, to figure it, you know, themselves out, re- reinvent themselves. But Uh, you're right. There's, it's, it's a whole lot more fun to work in sunshine.
2: No question. In terms of the tenants that you have that are moving in, we're talking big tenants, you know, not obviously I've got a tiny little office here. We're not, we're not occupying much of a footprint. What kind of businesses, what do you see now economically that's coming into the Valley that, that want tens of thousands of square feet, like big, 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 big uh, tenants.
3: Right. So there's not that many. And if you'd ask a, a broker these days, most of their transactions are actually under ten thousand square feet. Maybe that's grown up to, to fifteen, but it's not like if if you're in Dallas, then you're going to be walking around with hundred thousand foot clients, you know, falling out of your pockets on on the sidewalk. But here in, in Phoenix, we're just a smaller, whereas a smaller market, and so uh, you actually are a you know decent sized client these days. There's there's a handful of like there's been a couple of uh, Republic Services, uh, those sort of guys that have—they're uh, going to build 150,000-foot uh, new building out there, and you—you'll you, occasionally see a 200,000-footer, but after that it drops off significantly, and then you get some big tenants, maybe 50, uh, 50 to 100 that are are more renewing, but after that, most of the tenants uh, that are are active right now are, I'd say, 20,000 square feet and and less especially under the, uh, the under the 10 and 15 because at that size you're just not gonna kill your business if you if you sign the wrong you know long the wrong long-term lease but at 50,000 square feet and you're not sure of your return to work program you're you're still kind of nervous but the the companies that are that are coming back it's all it's all mixed for, for sure like we talked about the the fire industries finance insurance in, in real estate not as there's the tech uh, there is some of that but it's it it is smaller and so it's still in in phoenix it's a big big mixture which it which is nice it's not just like seattle where it's all you know microsoft and, and amazon
2: and you know one of the things that a real positive thing that i do think will come out of the challenges that the world has had in the last 3 years you know covid first russia ukraine is another big one is we were in this model for a long period of time where it's like all right let's save a penny to manufacture this, you know, 18 cent part by doing it overseas somewhere. And now, you know, we suddenly realize that supply chains matter and how far flung and how stretched out your supply chain is really matters. Right. And friends right. in the private equity world, when they're looking at, you know, businesses that actually have to make and do something and manufacture something, supply chain questions are at, are at the front of the line where five right. or 10 years ago, it might what might not have even been an issue because of course we're globally integrated and there's never going to be any disruptions like that. And so you're seeing, I know you're doing office, but you're seeing this 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 reshoring or onshoring that that's happening uh, with with a number of different businesses around around the country. And you know, we mentioned T S Taiwan Semi. I think there's something like fifteen or sixteen chip foundries being built in this country right now. Samsung, you know, obviously right? Like Intel active here in the in the valley. But right. are you seeing are you seeing some of that? Uh, I know it's not industrial is not so much your world, right. but are you are you seeing that really impacting the Phoenix? market as well yes yes for for sure so when i first got into the business
3: 20 years ago the industrial guys more jeans and boots and okay you're gonna have to go out 45 minutes and go show that warehouse on a Friday afternoon and i'm this upper class office guy and you know we wear leather shoes every day and Mm -hmm. the look we've done fine since the pandemic started but it is like the industrial folks have just been hitting Grand Slam after Grand Slam, home run every day, regardless of uh, of the firm around town. and and Phoenix has been so underbuilt uh, industrially, but you know, million square foot tenants out there. and you know, maybe this year they've they've shrunk in size, five hundred to three to, to three hundred. Um, but that supply chain is is a huge, huge thing, and, and that's what's driven the industrial market all over the United States. I can tell you, any market that I go in, finding even for a, a ten thousand foot flex warehouse and office user, it is tough. And so, uh, I think everyone, you know, I think everyone should read very opinion uh, Peter Zion's books. But the the U.S. is so blessed. We won the lottery uh, geographically that. Uh, I think everyone's figured out that um, we are, once you have everything here, you know, if we, if we can operate on on just North America, we're going to be fine. Come hell or high water in in Europe or or, or Asia, just because we've got all the resources here. So now we need to get some of those intellectual resources over here and, and the materials to go along, along with that. Uh, I mean, I think that's why you're, you're seeing this big push to come back so we can, you know, maintain our our independence here in the U.S. and in North America.
2: What is Zion's book? I have, I don't know if I've heard of this one. Oh, the it's the the accidental superpower. Oh yeah, okay, yes, I yeah, I've not read it, but yeah. I've heard of that book.
3: And yeah. and disunited nations, fantastic book, and, and a great great geopolitical read. I, I found them both fascinating.
2: Yeah, and, and and to that point, you mentioned I think that when I there's a lot of negativity out there, and we covered a little bit, obviously, because if things are cyclical and. There's probably right. going to be some issues in commercial. I think we both agree on that. But you look at the competitive advantages that this country has relative to anywhere in the world. I mean, you've got coast to coast, you've got two great oceans on either side of us. We can trade with Europe. We can trade with China. We've got not some water, not so much here in the Southwest, but you've got, we've got tons of water. We've got flatland. We've got farmland. We've got a, a young workforce, millennials coming up. I mean, the competitive advantage is just absolutely incredible. So I think if if we can as a country get out of our own way, which we <laughs> we historically <have> challenged. <laughs> Imagine that. that. Imagine right. that. But but right. yeah, you know, I'm I'm hugely bullish and hugely long on the United States. I think that uh that that we have incredible, incredible days that, that are coming. Last question for you. So sure. wh- who's your ideal client that you want to work with? And how do people reach you? Because one of the things that I've appreciated, I've known you now for probably 10 to 15 years. It's been a long time. It's been quite some right. time. Right. Um you're always real straight in terms of you're going to, you're going to say the good, the bad uh, what's real and what's not. And I've always really appreciated that with you, your honesty about, you know, integrity about what's happening in this space, in this business. So who who's somebody that, that should be reaching out to you. If they've got questions about what's happening, not, not even just here in Phoenix, but you know, around sure. the country in places that you're working, what, what's the ideal sure. client for you? No, I
3: appreciate that because across the country here in Phoenix, the, the easiest one and invest is is a tenant or user who needs help with their lease or to or to buy to buy a building and even if you're a thousand square feet we've we've got folks on our on our team that can handle that but we've been we've been fortunate to help some fortune 100 companies and great you know doesn't have to be small local uh across the country uh Get good deals on their space, and so you've you've got a 20-year veteran who really knows how to negotiate, not just process a deal. But uh, I am confident that my clients, over a 10-year period, 20-year period, spend less on their occupancy costs than with someone else who's not as, as passionate about the building. So that's on the user side. And if there's any Arizona watchers and or institutions, and they've they've got. Uh, class A or B buildings that they need filled up, and someone who knows how to do that and and can articulate and nav- navigate the market. Those are my my people. And how do they reach you? Uh, my cell phone is 602-488-4000. and my email is a chaney a c h e n e y at lee l e e arizona all spelled out dot com a chaney at lee arizona dot com.
2: Awesome. And Andrew, again, thanks so much, man. I always enjoy this. this is This is a conversation we would have over lunch one day, and I'm glad we we're able to record it and and share it with some listeners here. And uh, really, thanks for your time, Dick, because I know you're a busy guy, and thanks for for carving out some time out of your morning.
3: Agreed, Brent. Thanks a lot for having me. We'll see you very soon.
1: You got it, gentlemen. This has been fast, fantastic. Hey. I have so many questions, but we don't have time. So (laughs) if you're listening to this and you have questions, obviously you can reach out to Andrew. Uh, You have contact information now, um, but you can also email Brent um, and we'll get some contact information just in a moment. Normally I ask, hey, Brent, if people want to have a follow up conversation, how do they reach out to you? But really, I want to ask this because of all the talk that I've heard, because I have not visited you in your building. I'm not local to you. I will one day. We've talked about that. But it sounds like you're in a pretty in a pretty amazing area. Great office building, great location. If people want to visit you, how do they reach out and make that appointment? Yeah, so when we talk about the camel, Camelback cor- corridor, and Andrew actually
2: literally is catty corner <laughs> you know, across. You basically throw a stone almost and hit his building. Nice. But there's you know between Central Avenue and really I would I would call it Scott Scottsdale Road, Andrew. I don't know if that's actually the real the real corridor or not but you really get between like 24th into say Scottsdale road. Yeah. And we've got, you've got just incredible shopping. You've got two beautiful malls. You've got great office space here. We talked about that, but you also have this concentration of some of the absolute best restaurants in the state of Arizona and, and the West in general. And so we're, we're, and we're really, really blessed here. And Andrew and I also, we live, we're fortunate enough. We live very close to, to where our offices are. And so you've got then, Phenomenal residential. You've got uh, a lot of the big hoods The Phoenician, for example, is on that corridor, and you've got uh, Hermosas nearby, and you've got a, a lot of the, the the beautiful resorts that people, when they think of Arizona, would think of. And Camelback Mountain sort of anchors it, which is the very iconic peak that sits right in the middle of the valley. And uh, it's it's you know every day I wake up, I walk out of my house. And I turn to make I make the turn to come to my office and Camelback Road is at the or Camelback Mountain, rather is at the end of my street and I get to mm-hmm. see this beautiful mountain every single day. And uh, it's just an awesome place to live. I mean, I feel blessed every day to live here.
1: Yeah, well, I have fond memories of Camelback Mountain hiking that. Um, Brent, you and I've talked about it before, but Andrew, you actually gave me some flashbacks because my wife and I met in Phoenix. And at one point we both worked in the same call center. So when you brought up call center, I had this huge flashback. I was like, oh my God, I forgot I even had that job. Yeah. Right. It wasn't great. It wasn't a great job. Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. I <laughs> but- did that in college. Actually, I, I did I did a call center job in
2: college. And uh, yep. I think it's something everybody should do because Absolutely. I used to, to get through the night. I would keep a list of how many people said you know things to me that we won't repeat on the podcast how many hang <laughs> how many hangups i got yep. um how many people died because you'd always get a few it was not necessarily a current and accurate list and and it was, mm. it was it was the worst job by far i have ever had but it's i think it's one that every young person should do because it's it you, yep. you, you toughens you up a little bit that's for sure it it for food
3: service yes yeah
2: a food service. i waited tables in college too and yep. you learn a lot about human nature When you're serving food there's no question about it
1: absolutely gentlemen great podcast thank you so much again and of course our last thank you goes to the listening audience thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the smart money simplified podcast with brent mikosh if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet please click the subscribe now button below this way when brent comes out with a new podcast it'll show up directly on your listening device and we humbly ask that you share this podcast rate it and leave a review as this actually does help others find the show Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at MP Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Money Simplified Podcast. Have any questions about topics covered during the show? Visit www.smartmoneysimplified.com or give us a call at 602 Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors Incorporated, MP Advisors, LLC, is not a broker dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services.